Welcome to another episode of the People Over Perks podcast by Leapsum. In each episode, we speak with a people operations leader about how they're building a high-performance culture in their company. In today's episode, we speak with Vanessa Stock, the co-founder and VP People at Pitch. We speak with Vanessa about her career path en route to co-founding Pitch, how she's shaping her team to help Pitch scale, and how she's creating a people-centric organization. Hope you enjoy this conversation. Okay, Vanessa, thank you so much for joining us on the, uh, on the People Over Perks podcast today. Hi, good to good to see you. Great cool. to, great to be here. I'm uh, I'm really excited about this conversation. We uh, we at Leapsum are uh, users of Pitch, um, and so yeah, really looking forward to hearing uh, hearing all about your story as to how uh, how Pitch was founded, um, the HR team at Pitch, and uh, and some of the things that you're working on. So to kick off, I think it'd be really interesting to hear from you about the founding story. Um, I believe there was a uh, um, a sort of a long history in terms of your co-founders working together at a previous company called Vundlist. Um, so yeah, maybe you could start there, please. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we are eight co-founders. All of us worked at Wonderlist, and um, parts of the group were already uh, founders uh, there. And yeah, all of us we basically know each other for ten years, worked together for most of the time, and uh, yeah, just uh, had a really strong connection as humans, and um, really just respected each other's work and. Uh, after the acquisition of Vanillist, everyone did like their own stuff. Some people um, stayed at Microsoft. Some people like me uh, went into the startup world in Berlin and met a lot of people. And yeah, after a few years, we we got together and said, hey, let's do something again. And uh, yeah, for me, it was a no-brainer because we, yeah, I think from all the people I worked with, I think we had the best like just human values and and like similar ideas of how to build a great company or what we consider a great product or what we consider a, a healthy work environment and all these things. So um, when we got together, I didn't really think about it too long. So it was it was really good. Really cool. And um and can can you give a give the audience an overview as to what Pitch is as a product as well? Yeah, sure. Um, so we uh, basically started Pitch now three and a half years ago, and we are building um, a competitor to Keynote and PowerPoint, basically. It's a, it's a new generation of presentation tool um, that basically focuses on collaborating, um, rethinking about, uh, rethinking the whole um, way of like building up a deck or a presentation and also sharing it and consuming it and adding live data and all these things, we really feel like that this whole market has been somewhat stuck in the 90s. Um, there were not many companies um, at that time really tackling that space in a way where we felt like, oh yeah, it's really solving these issues. And so we basically, yeah, focus on really building a product in which like non-designers can build a beautiful deck without worrying too much around like, oh, where's this format going and how do I do this and that? And um, so, yeah, that's the focus. Uh, we are now 120 people already um, sitting across the country and Europe and and um, the world. And uh, yeah, we launched seven months ago. So I hope most of you who listen have tried it at least once. Yeah, very cool. That's a very cool story. And um, I'd love to dive into your role specifically, because you're the VP people. 
Um, and uh, obviously, I think it's fair to say that it's somewhat unusual to have a VP People as a co-founder. Um, and so perhaps you could tell us what your role looked like in the very early days of Pitch and then obviously how that's evolved over time and um, what your role looks like now. Yeah, um, I think HR, there's never a too early stage to have HR um, in the team. I think um, it's very important to have a strong HR leader in the team very early on to really think about things. So I think um, I hope that in the future, people don't say it's unusual to have a HR co-founder. Um, I think it's actually the right way to, to really change work environments and really build um, innovative companies and, and, and healthy or create healthy uh, work environments for people. Um, and uh, yeah, for me, obviously, uh, being part of a team very early on, we were eight and we were 10, we were 25. I mean, I was basically by myself until we were 60 people. So I was hiring everyone until we were 60. And now the people team finally also is growing. We have wonderful people in the team that help with talent acquisition and onboarding and all these things. But the good thing is if you have someone owning this very early on and also being experienced, you really don't do like typical mistakes people would do that usually see hiring as a side thing or, or onboarding, onboarding experiences or, or employee retention and all these things. And um, yeah, I think uh, having a HR co-founder also just sends a strong signal, I would say, to the team and the future team that um, we really, um, yeah, pay a lot of attention to like work environment and, and, and people and, um, and don't see it as an afterthought, which is usually the case in a lot of companies. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Interesting. And so um, did, did I hear you say that you then hired the, uh, the first person onto your team when you were 60 people? Yeah. That's yeah. when we had, uh, yeah, Rukuta joining us and um, and then, um, yeah, HR admin and everyone else uh, yeah. along the way, yeah. But until and, then, I was, yeah, doing it myself the whole time. And what, what does the structure of your team look like now then? Um, so we have two people doing talent acquisition, um, one person doing um, employee experience, um, one person is going to join and do uh, an own learning and development. Um, and yeah, the, the talent acquisition team is going to grow the, throughout the next year, like every quarter we're going to add more recruiters because we are, yeah, we're going to double the team, I think, um, again in the next few months. Oh, wow. Interesting. And um, I imagine that, uh, that, that recruiting has been um, perhaps helped, let's say, by, um, by, by the level of investors and PR that Pitch has, uh, has received. Would you say that that's fair to say? I think we already had a very strong employer brand before, like recent announcements. I think we already had like really a lot of amazing people really applying without us making a lot of noise. Um, I think it's also related to the past success of the team and people already trusting the founders and, and knowing the quality standard and all that. So that was definitely helpful. And um, But yeah, the new, new round and the new investors obviously are um, not, not bad and definitely um, a good help now moving forward, hiring more people, especially C-level and all the, the uh, experienced leader that we are about to hire. Excellent. And um, Pitch is a fully remote company. Is that right? Yeah. I um, mean, 
that's what you define as fully remote. We have an office in Berlin, but we have um, more than half of the team not being based in Berlin. Interesting. And so um, how, how have you thought about that then? Was that a, a decision that was made right at the start or was that influenced by COVID? Or, uh, you know, perhaps you could walk us through that process as to how you, um, how you thought about the, the choices and the trade-offs for being uh, a remote team. Yeah, I think it was basically dictated by the talent we wanted to hire. So when we started Pitch, we were in Berlin, we had an office. I think we were not married to the idea to have everyone in the office. But like after we hired one or two people that we really wanted to get on board and they just didn't want to move to Berlin, we were like, okay, <laughs> then stay where you are and let's just work together. And those were like really experienced remote workers and taught us so much around remote culture, how to communicate, how to document and how to really set the, the ground for like a healthy and productive remote culture. So that was basically part of our DNA then very early on. And mm. uh, so we grew into this along the way. So when COVID hit us, it wasn't like a big change. I think for the Berlin people who never worked remote before, I think for them, it was obviously a change, but as a company, process-wise and for the other half it was pretty it was like as yeah as as usual basically uh, i guess that that must have uh, that must have helped then obviously keep things uh keep things pretty smooth throughout that that time yeah and i think when you as a company want to think about remote work really make sure you hire experienced people um because they can always teach you also things and and are really mindful about how what are the community, uh, the the communication rules, and and what uh, rituals and and habits to establish? And I think if you would do this just with juniors, I think it wouldn't work. And I also think you couldn't train juniors really well if you would be like distributed, having different time zones and everything. So I think um, it boils down to like the 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 workforce you have, um, whether it's going to work or not. I think. That, that makes a lot of sense. And um, maybe you could dive into some of those um, those habits and rituals then. Um, is there anything that you think has, uh, has really helped Pitch remain um, you know, a productive company being, uh, being remote? It's probably a mix of things, I would say. Um, I think we had always the rule that when people, when we have meetings with more people that everyone dives into their laptop, even though they are in the office. So like, uh, so they are, everyone is equal on screen and doesn't have these like side conversations in, in a meeting room. And this is something we always did. And we have like coffee meetups, people kind of rotate every week to meet other people. Um, I think in terms of being productive, what helped us was, um, we, we use Notion basically for everything. So everything that's company related and everything that's been written is stored in Notion and everyone who joins can basically really follow through the history of things. And we've been really determined from day one to really document decisions, document uh, product uh, roadmap, um, document anything that's uh, related to the company in Notion and make it accessible for everyone. And I think that really helped us to make sure everyone who joins finds the information they need and they don't need to ask 15 people to, to get the info they, they want. And um, having like a transparent culture in which like channels are open, people can contribute to whatever topic they hear or see and uh, really making sure you live a transparent open door policy remotely, obviously. Um, 
Interesting. And um, you, you mentioned that uh, you're obviously going to uh, to double the team size potentially over the next year. What are some of the uh, the, the other topics that um, are on your mind for the people team? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, yeah, with growing the the workforce, um, I mean, we doubled the team every year. I don't think we will finish this year with double this, the, the amount, but like going somewhat into the direction of 180 and then next year we'll continue with that pace, I think, to some degree. And uh, I think with that growth always comes a lot of challenges that are people related, right? It's about how you organ, how do you orchestra everyone? How do you make sure people know what they are supposed to do? How do you make make sure they know who to talk to and where the communication flows, making sure there are good guidelines in place to really support this growth, right? Because you can't just add people and think it's going to work. Um, you as a leadership team need to need to really have strong methods and, and, and uh, conscious um, yeah, provide conscious guidelines, right? To, to help everyone grow and, and, and own their, their work basically. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and then in terms of um, in terms of processes for making sure that everybody has the feedback that they need, um, could you maybe talk about some of the things that uh, that you as a people team help facilitate? So whether that might be uh, you know in, installing one on one meetings between managers and reports, uh, performance reviews, things like that. Yeah, I think we are another good example for that because we actually don't do much of this. I mean, we have normal one-on-one routine um, for everyone and we have a career framework, but we didn't want to introduce this performance culture where we have um, regular performance reviews that are kind of um, centralized in a, in a tool and everyone puts in their thoughts. We really want to make sure that people talk to each other immediately. So when I have a problem that I go to this person immediately and, and try to resolve it and not like write it down and then tell the person six months later when they can't act on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a fan of immediate feedback. I'm a fan of like really helping people to to find their voice um, immediately and establish like a good relationship to their manager or to their team um, without necessarily having this yearly or bi-yearly performance review. I'm, I think maybe one day we will need it. Um, so far we made the conscious decision to not have that in place like that. I mean, there are, as I said, regular one-on-ones where people can address um, their uh, growing topics and and also address how they want to develop and we we see how we can bring people there but um we don't do this like review where we say okay this is bad this is bad <laughs> you have to change this um we, we we do this more in a dialogue on a on a regular basis basically yeah that um that that sort of speed of, of feedback is obviously uh, is critical isn't it to make sure that everybody um has the information that they need at the right time rather than uh, than waiting for um a performance review yeah and it's also kind of like uh yeah proven that like feedback is only effective when it's given immediately so the brain makes this connection to the situation if you write down oh six months ago you've done this in that meeting and uh and then it's obviously so far away that you can't really attach this to any learning <laughs> um yeah so i think uh immediate feedback and and uh, constant conversations is probably more the mentality I would support but I guess when you're like 400 people you probably don't speak so openly anymore to each other I don't know but um I hope we can grow as much as we can with that mentality um, yeah absolutely and um and as, as a people and culture team then what are the other processes that you're helping 
to facilitate to, to help the company um, create a high performance culture? Um, I think in the end, um, uh, yeah, I wouldn't say that it's the people and culture team driving these things. I think what's very important in a pitch is that everyone from various teams can drive initiatives and, and put stuff forward. It's not just like the silo that's doing everything that's related to this or like tech is just doing tech. But like, I think uh, we have a lot of remotees and, and some of them have ideas. And then we have work groups that think about remote work and how we can improve things. I think it's a shared, it's a shared effort to make this culture right. And not just what people, what the people team thinks is right, but really, mm-hmm involving the team and how we do things and how we should change things and really get them involved you know um i don't believe in these like um yeah yeah uh, detached people teams that just come in and try to um come up with processes that somehow are super uh, disturbant to the team and don't make sense. So I think um, I prefer to do this with the team and to really, as a people team, you can be like a facilitator, you can pick up these topics and, and make sure they are like getting the right attention and that they get like done. But I don't think the people team should necessarily decide all these things because it's the team that needs to work with these things. So I think they should definitely be involved in finding the right way. Yeah, and so you mentioned there that uh, that you have these work groups set up. Um, can, can you tell us a bit more about those and how you structure that? Yeah, I mean, I think um, as a, yeah, I think it's, it sounds like as if there's like a super. <laughs> crazy approach behind it I mean we just have like topics that come up and then we look for people that are having an interest or or like a background in it and want to put things forward and then we say okay so remote work what does that mean what are the processes we should uh, consider in the future what are the things we need to consider and then people from different parts of the team different departments different backgrounds can just mm-hmm. join and and uh, be be uh yeah, impactful also on different levels um, and not just um, their daily work. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's important that they feel like they are creating also their work environment. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, so, so thinking about the, uh, the rest of the year ahead then, what are some of the, um, the key initiatives that you and your, your team specifically are, are working on towards? Yeah, I mean, the biggest one is still growing the team. It's been always like the biggest, like, wow, focus. Uh, Obviously making sure people arrive well and like that the onboarding flow is top notch. Um, And now that we have so many people, we are now in our fourth year of company existence to really think about career development. Um, As I said, we hired a lovely uh, learning and development specialist and now thinking really about growth, about uh, leadership development to make like practices more explicit and and to just grow a strong culture, um, which has been working out naturally so far. But now since we're scaling, we really need to manifest this culture that we want to protect and uh, help that when people join that they really know how they should lead people or what's expected of them or how can I be an impactful IC. Um, As an IC you can also be a leader, you don't have to be a manager to be a leader and all these things you know. Yeah interesting. Cool. Very cool. Thanks for thanks for sharing all of that. And um, I'd love to jump back to your career history specifically. 
Um, so if I'm not mistaken, um, am I right in saying that before you worked at Wonderlist, you were um, working in a kind of different career path and then you took a, um, it took a change into HR? Maybe, maybe you could tell us about that journey. Yeah, uh, my background or my start of my career was in PR and comms. Um, I studied that and, and then worked in a in an agency in London for a few years, um, and before that in Hamburg. And I think uh, what I what I just felt like always is I didn't really like the work environments, the traditional ones that were existent up until then. And I really always questioned how teams are run and organizations build and I didn't like this hierarchical mindset where the boss boss kind of does less and less work earns more and more money and then the, all the other people do all the work and they stay late I don't know it's just like this uh, this weird dynamic that and like really uh, old businesses are still exist and I was just challenging this organizational style how how work has been distributed there and what dynamics um, have been existed. And I yeah, basically studied business psychology and organizational psychology and wanted to really think about how can you create an environment in which everyone feels like they own something, they contribute and that they're somewhat equal and that there's not this like fixation onto a boss or, or like just level and um, so I studied that and wrote my master thesis around self-organizing teams and um, and yeah so that's why I landed in the startup world because that's basically where you can play around with these topics a lot without yeah going through too much politics like yeah, as in bigger companies. That's a that's a really interesting change. And um, when um when when you then started in in HR, were, were there any particular challenges that you felt like you had to personally navigate through, and sort of like uh, things that you had to unlearn from your from your previous uh, experiences? Hmm, not really. I think I was just naturally curious. I think what's kind of interesting is just uh, especially when you're new to it. I think you observe so much around culture and like how leader. How leaders behave and what impact it has on the employees what kind of unwritten culture people set in the way how they treat others and things like that and I think I think for me it was a little bit in the beginning when you are still a bit younger I was always like couldn't understand why people don't see these things and if you raise them why they're not changing it and I think it's a tough job in HR to try to do the right thing and try to be supportive to the team and being also like a strategic advisor to the leadership team, but also realizing you're not always getting hurt um, depending on the, the culture or the company and um, you need to really, um, yeah, just find your right niche and find your right leader that you work with where you feel like, okay, we can really do something great together. Um, I think um, if you are on a human level and, and uh, Value, values level so far apart, I think it's difficult to work with like a, a CEO or like a like a leader that's like um, having much different uh, human values um, because I couldn't support that. And I think that we would just probably every day <laughs> just discuss why this is not how you do it or why you shouldn't treat people like this or whatever. So I think um, for me in the beginning, it was just a little bit interesting to understand okay just because I would see these things are happening and I know they are not good doesn't mean anyone would change them <laughs> um, yeah 
it's a process and take a lot of conversations and a lot of time also for the for the organization to learn and to grow and uh, and then in that time period then between um joining wonderlist and starting pitch can you walk us through uh, through that time phase and uh, and some of the learnings that you picked up along the way that you're now implementing at pitch um, yeah, I was doing like some HR consultancy. I worked at Clue for a few years, um, two years in an in HR director. Well, I think at Clue, I learned also a lot of stuff. Also from, from myself, I think it was the first time I was in a leadership role. Everything was new. Um, and uh, it was like an, an interesting company in many ways, um, just because they're very creative and very different how they did things and it was like a very interesting stretch coming from a tech purely tech driven company um to like a more female health uh environment where everyone is feels feels like a community or like a political statement um team and um it was super interesting i think i learned so much met, met a lot of lovely people um i don't know i think um what i took away from that time is that I think it's interesting how different organizations are depending on the founders and what tone you're setting as a founder and I think um, when you have like these conservative fintech startups how they function but then you have like uh, like Lou was super like led by these inspiring hippies in a way. Um, no, I wouldn't say so, but like just very creative and how different the company was and, and they almost created more of a hype. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone who joined was like really into this hype. And I think it was kind of interesting to see how different than the work life Gets. If it's healthier, I don't know, but I think it was just very interesting how different um, teams are working and how different, um, how different. Yeah, the the structure is uh, affected by uh, the type of team you're building. Basically, does that yeah. make sense? It does. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing. And um and so obviously with um with your your personal journey you've gone from a um uh, a slightly different career path transitioned into HR and then into uh, like the senior senior level roles and obviously now a, a co-founder. Um, do you have any any sort of uh, nuggets of wisdom in terms of career advice? Um, have you have you kind of uh, um you know come up with any any frameworks or uh, or ways to think about your own development uh, as you've progressed through your career? I think first, as an HR leader, you really need to stay true to yourself and what you want to stand behind. Um, I mean, you are obviously having a company to grow and to employ people. You have a lot of responsibility to these people. And I think uh, as an HR leader, you just need to have a strong like core and really make sure you are like um, acting on those and, and also just be very mindful on your communication when you also work with your leadership team that maybe has different opinions or your team and just being like really I think it's also sometimes hard to detach yourself from your emotions or what you think is right but always um, still even though you're in a business you're still promoting values as humans and I think you should just stay strong behind those and, and not let yourself I don't know, get carried away by by an opportunity if you think this is not yours and, and mm-hmm. not right. And I think I was always following my gut um, and my 
intuition if this is now really what I want to do and if this is really like a, a healthy environment in which people can really be yeah live good lives but also have a great career and I was always yeah quite skeptical with a lot of companies that I was speaking to in the past and I, I didn't join in the end um, so I think um, as an HR leader I think yeah you just need to develop a strong core as a human and 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 um, yeah, ask yourself what you want to achieve. And for me, it was always like really building a, a great organization in which people really just love doing what they're doing and feeling like they can still live their normal life. They can mm. work when they want and how they want. Some people have families, some people don't, and everyone has a different routine and this is fine. And that you really create an environment where everyone feels like they can, yeah, be their best self, you know truly yeah and and so it, it sounds like um you're, you're kind of saying that uh you know you really need to have your strong personal values and ideally find a a company where um that there's a good match with the with, with the yes. company values as well exactly exactly yeah. and then you can create amazing things as an hr leader if you follow your intuition on these things um, yeah interesting and i think in the end um as an hr leader i think we should always like really strive for building people-centric organizations and really putting again the human much more into the center and not revenues and all that i know this is kind of a like conservative controversial statement but i think as an hr leader i think you can create a, a winning business and still be good to your people and still build a people-centric organization it shouldn't be either or and um, do you have any uh, any sort of tangible examples of uh, of how an HR leader could could try and try and do that within their organization? I mean, that's yeah. You need to challenge the leaders. You need to challenge other stakeholders that make decisions. The CFO that wants to save money, or the I don't know the whatever role. I'm just making rules up. Um, whoever decides how much people should work, or or people giving out like these, or making these like last minute changes at 9 p.m. and like people burn out. And I think it's a systemic thing, and you need to really like be in good contact with the leaders and the leadership mm -hmm. to really make sure what why are we doing this what is this leading us to and to be really like also good at challenging really like you have to have <laughs> sometimes disagreements and um, but be fine with them interesting and, uh, and what do you see as, uh, as as the role of HR and people ops going forward are there some particular trends that are particularly exciting you at the moment hmm. I mean there are lots of trends I know there's a lot around AI um, I'm still very skeptical. I'm not a, I don't want to be like a, <laughs> like the granny that's against tech. I'm definitely not, but I'm just challenging how good AI can really replace this human interaction of like a personal hiring process or like uh, really talking to people. And I think, um, I mean, there's this AI trend. I'm not that excited about it. I think it's a relevant discussion. And I think um, probably for some companies and some big corporations, probably a great, a great advancement. I feel like when you're still like quite early and a small team and you're building this people-centric culture and, and organization, I don't, see HR, uh, I don't see AI in that. But what I'm excited about is obviously this whole remote distributed work topic, all these future of work topics for their work week, um, all these things creating like a different work life for everyone. I think I'm very passionate about and 
I love the idea that people can basically choose where they live and don't need to live where they work. And um, I think that's something I'm excited about that really like a lot of companies that were super conservative are now really looking into staying remote. And I think this will change our whole uh, life and, and um, yeah, realities. And I think that's great. Um, so that's definitely something I'm uh, excited about. And obviously then also all the great software that comes out that supports this like pitch <laughs> um, that, that, that helps remote teams to stay connected and, and do great work. And uh, yeah, I think that that's something I'm really excited about. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and throughout this conversation, you, you've talked about building a, a people-centric organization, um, creating a great culture where, where people can do, do great work and also have their, their normal life as well. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm interested as to whether you have a particular way that you for yourself would measure your success in your role and whether um, you could kind of boil down what you see your role as VP of people uh, being within the organization into like a you know a short sentence or two. Okay so there were two questions weren't they in, in this question? Yeah so how, how would you how do you measure success for, you, for yourself as, uh, as the VP of people? I mean, first, obviously, a what type of people do we hire? Do they stay? Do they leave? And we had very, very fortunate the first three years that actually everyone we hired stayed. I mean, now after three years, we had a few people leaving, starting their own business or like just wanting a break, but not because they went to another company. So I think that already shows we hire really well um, and um, find the right people for the right opportunities um and then obviously uh yeah when you're really well in touch with your team and and in dialogue you can always like obviously you hear how things are going if people are happy or frustrated and really we yeah stay connected to what the voices are i think is important i think there you know if your team your people team your founding team your leadership team is a good is doing a good job yeah. And as I said, I don't think all these culture topics are like HR. I think culture is everything, is everyone, is like, it's the leadership team. It's like the way how everyone communicates and who, who gets promoted or whatever. And it's not just HR basically carrying all this. And I think, I think um, I would consider it a success that everyone at Pitch is, I think, very invested and in contributing to this environment and, 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 and helping us shape shaping this basically yeah interesting thank you and um and so just a, a couple of quick fire questions to uh to, to finish off um are there any particularly uh, uh interesting training trainings that you've taken throughout your career that you think have been really impactful for your own development <clears throat> i think i really like um one-on-one coaching with like a coach and you can really dive deep into like topics that are in your head or maybe you are not even aware of and you get really like support on solving um challenges and stuff like that i think i'm i think i have more just that you meet people and you have a great conversation and it sticks to you or they they say interesting things and then you kind of change the way you think and I think for me it was a mix of these things I would say just meeting um interesting people that I felt had great stuff to talk about or reading some books or um yeah having like 
here and there some leadership coaching, but like one-on-one coaching was very helpful. I wouldn't say there's this one training you all have to do and this will solve <laughs> all the all the question marks. But I think, yeah, I think you, you need to hang out with really cool people that you think have great a great message and, and you can take away your own from that and, and also evolve as a leader or as a HR professional or as an individual. Yeah, that's a, that's a great tip. And, um, and, and you mentioned books, and that was going to be my last question. Um, do you have any uh, particularly strong book recommendations uh, for our audience? Um, I'm just thinking about it. I, uh, yeah, it's always like a, a difficult question to answer when you... <laughs> um, it's always hard to say there's this one book that was like mind-blowing. I think there's none I would say this is like the truth or the holy bible but I guess yeah I think um, every manager or HR professional should read this book around um, the five dysfunctions of team of mm -hmm. team um, I think that's very important when you think about cultures team structures and all these things um, and then I also found the book Re reinventing organizations pretty good um, it's about basically different um, organizational concepts and how you can create meaning in a work life through different ways than just adding hierarchies and all these things. I think those two books I really liked in my career that kind of made me think a bit different. Yeah, you're you're not the first person to recommend the five dysfunctions of a team. So uh, yeah, it's uh, clearly clear your favorite amongst uh, amongst our audiences. <laughs> I should say another one, but I can't think of one. <laughs> no. No problem. Well, Vanessa, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a, a fascinating conversation. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll be sure to, uh, to link to uh, all of your recommendations in the show notes. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks again for joining us. It's been great. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I hope there was some interesting stuff for you coming out or for the listeners. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to this episode of People Over Perks by Leapsum. We're available on the Leapsum YouTube channel and all major podcasting platforms so you can hit subscribe to receive each episode as it's released. We also have an email newsletter and a Slack community where you'll find great resources and discussions on how to build a high-performing, humane and diverse company culture. You can find the link in the show notes or you can head to the resources section at leapsum.com. Thanks for joining us and see you next time.